Hey world, it's nice to meet you. I'm Cassidy Jackson, and you are listening to Cassie's Crafting Conundrum. More Gen Z authors seem to be coming out of the woodwork in the past few years, myself included. And I want us to be able to have a safe space to express ourselves, since the online world is a scary place, and we might feel extremely alone. In each episode, I am highlighting an amazing Gen Z author who has agreed to share part of their story online. Sit back, relax, and please, remember, you are never alone as an author of any age. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cassie's Crafting Conundrum. If I sound weird, it is because it about is it about 7 a.m. where I am. I literally set an alarm so I wouldn't miss this because I actually have my first international guest. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves and tell them a little bit about what they're writing and, yeah, who they are. Yeah. Well, it's 10 p.m. for me, so I am a bit more awake, but um, my name's Allie, and I met Cassie on Twitter, and I saw their tweet that was just, like, looking for Gen Z authors and I was, for the podcast, and I was like, sure, why not? Um, I think I was on Twitter a bit longer than you, and I, like, joined to start talking about, like, my main project which is an assassin academy where a bunch of murders are happening because they're assassins but also because people want to also kill the assassins who knows but um this is the book I plan to query which is also the topic that you suggested about like how I am preparing to query as a high school student it might be different for like uni students and such, but, and also American high school students might be different to Australian high school students, but this is my process. Yeah, essentially, I'm just realizing I first thought you were in college because actually <laughs> the podcast that I had just recorded previous to you is an American high school student. so when you said that you were still what do they call high school in Australia I'm just curious because they it can't be high school oh it is we call it high school we just don't have middle school so our high school starts in year seven and ends in year 12 okay so you kind of have like an elementary school and then high school and then college yeah just different names but yeah yeah (laughs) Americans versus Australians I I love that this is a way that I can learn about you know different slang as our Twitter DMs have said just like teaching each other our respective slangs and you're probably gonna hear a lot of us being like wait explain that to me yeah just in terms of I don't know what that means it's some kind of slang of some kind (laughs) Yeah, I think it's slightly easier for me because, like, you know, you grow up watching American media and all that. So, like, you, it's less bat an eye at it. Like, we only bat an eye at American stuff when we hear the American accents here in Australia because it just stands out so much. Yeah, I'm just realizing as I'm going to listen back to this, our accents are so different. People are going to be like, <laughs> huh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I don't know, I've not noticed an accent difference with other people, so. 
amazing but that's maybe because they have grown <laughs> up in california like i have but that's yeah. besides the point let's actually get into the topic yes. of the hour or however long this is going to be yeah how when did you decide that you were going to query this manuscript and um, what is querying I... for those who don't know oh yes that's it's confusing for everyone let's be honest um yeah. querying is a yeah querying is the process where you start looking for an agent that will help you traditionally publish your manuscript which is like selling your book to publishing houses like they're probably different in America but like Hatchet and um Simon and Schuster oh we have but, Simon and Schuster here yeah mm-hmm. um yeah I know Hatchet's a different one there maybe Hot Escape I don't remember but it's getting an agent to do like all of the more business stuff for you and the querying process is researching these agents finding them emailing or contacting them through query manager to then see if they might have interest in representing you and your book as well as like future projects um i decided to query this pretty much when i started writing it like i had the idea that i might because before assassin whip i um would just write whatever and obviously they were all unfinished projects because I was still working out exactly like my rhythm and my routine but I did have this idea because when I started writing this was around the time I was introduced to Chloe Gong and she basically introduced and like flipped the switch that was like okay I can do this at my age and also she's New Zealand it was like okay she's close enough I can do this but um basically it was an idea and then when I actually finished the first draft, it was like, okay, maybe. Um, and then it wasn't until this year where I was like, okay, definite. I've got to, this is the deadline for me. I've got to start researching now. That, the fa- I didn't actually know Chloe Gong was in New Zealand. I have heard her. Well, not yeah. heard, but heard about her. And my TBR has gotten extraordinarily long because of all these new authors that I'm being introduced (laughs) to through Twitter, which both of ours will be linked below, just so you know, in the little description thing that I can't see, but I'm picturing. Yeah. And, Um, yeah. Yeah, she studied in America for, like, university and stuff. But then when you, like, listen to, like, interviews and stuff, you can hear, like, the New Zealand accent. Okay. When you actually listen to it. Yeah. So she came literally across the globe in a different hemisphere for college, which so many people do. Yep, and you talked me out of. (laughs) I mean, you know what? We had that discussion, and I don't think I talked you out of anything. I think that was just me. saying like here is my opinion and you know (laughs) we just went from there let's just say college (laughs) is not for the faint of heart no matter who you are and I know college is something that is different worldwide which I knew of but again as an American I'm going to use this term very loosely 
I'm closeted to a lot of other countries and how they run. Like one, my, I have Canadian friends and I recently learned about five months ago that they learn the 50 states and capitals of the United States of America in Canada. Yeah, we don't do that. (laughs) Australians are like, it's too far away. Let's, yeah, let's just no. leave them. Uh, my history, like what you did in primary school, was basically just going over the first fleet, which was like the convicts that first came here and all that. But other than that, it's just international <laughs> history since we're one of the younger countries. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So we have covered querying why you decided to query this manuscript. Is do you have like a step by step guide or like what have you done besides the general um, description? Yeah, mine is mainly like I can see step by step process in what I've done, but it was so impulsive, like just starting the research. Because I just was walking one day, I was walking my dog, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to look at all the acknowledgements of my favorite books, like with their favorite covers to work out what cover people I want, like the cover designers. And then as I was doing that, I was like, I should probably actually look into the agents as well. So I looked at my favorite authors and I looked at books in the genre of Assassin Project, which is murder mystery. So I was looking at Holly Jackson's author. And then after writing all those down and researching them, I moved on to Twitter. And I went through my following and saw like the whole in their bios where it's like wrapped by this person. And I'd Google them as well and see if I like they'd be a good fit for me. And obviously I'm playing a query next year, so this could all change, but doing it now makes me feel like I'm more prepared. Um productive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for once, yes. But um no, because the main thing I wanted to get out of the way was like understanding what the actual query process is because it's not necessarily talked about in like the general aspect it's more so you see the how I got my agent blogs and you like watch the pitch contests happening on Twitter but it's like how exactly does this work what is a query letter like it's very overwhelming yeah no as soon as you said like I'm querying and I was started thinking about this podcast and what we could potentially talk about I was like you know what yes that is the topic (laughs) because it is kind of ambiguous it's not really talked about on Twitter like you said it's more of the oh how I got my agent or this agent liked this tweet by this specific person and got representation based off of that and so the fact yeah no go ahead okay sorry like you can kind of like a puzzle piece you can kind of like join everything together from like everyone's stories but it's still like besides Hallie Highland I haven't had anyone talk about like how to format a query letter so (laughs) You're flying blind here, essentially. Yeah. I think, like, and also everything's so contradicting because, like, it is a, like, subjective 
industry it's subjective in like how you get into it it's still luck of the draw as much as it is your quality of writing so it's just maybe this person will represent me I don't know you just kind of got to keep going really until you decide you can't at all or you get an agent that's all yeah, or you best. get that <laughs> that's always the best outcome but I feel yeah. like especially for our generation, Gen Z, we've grown up being cynical. And so we have that like sarcastic, <laughs> witty, cynical stuff that most yeah. adults hate because <laughs> it's like most, if not all of our generation has some kind of witty, sarcastic remark for everything. And I think yeah. that's just how we've grown up worldwide regardless of if you're in Australia or the UK or the United States or Canada or Japan or you know a country in Africa <laughs> like we all have some kind of that aspect because as a generation there's something that connects us all and in this case I've noticed it just happens to be like oh we can carry conversations but like we're also throwing sarcastic remarks in there just as an aside yeah. yeah um I have noticed that with us but also it's also on the matter of like how much you know about the topic then the more cynical you become because that's fair I, that is so yeah. fair because um for example with this podcast I did like a guessing game with all my friends to like for them to like find out that I was doing this I and love all of that. my writing friends, yeah, it was hilarious. All of my writing friends didn't like immediately go, oh, you got an agent. Because they were like, let's be for real. She was telling us two nights ago she was only just researching agents. But then my non-writing friends were immediately, you got an agent, you're publishing a book. Just un, like, not un, like blinded, blinded support from like all of them. And it's just like, you naive children, you don't know anything. No, especially because this industry in itself, like traditionally publishing your book, publishing houses, it's very, I don't want to say gatekept because that's any industry. Like yeah. any industry you're not in, you're basically gatekept from because you're not in it. Yeah, it is. It helps with like, telling these friends about it because it's basically also I find it establishes my own understanding it's like making me more confident in the process I'm doing and also That's just their reactions to things is hilarious yeah no I remember like telling my writing friends about this podcast and they're like oh my gosh this is amazing you are going to do so well and then my non-writing friends who like you are like the blind support like even my parents they're like this is amazing this is great good job and I'm over here going if only you knew if only <laughs> you knew yeah it's so funny I swear I still have the blind if... support but it's like yeah if only you knew yeah, it's just like, I love the support. It's giving me confidence, but also I, I'm jumping between absolute breakdown and, oh my God, I am actually getting this done. 
As it is with all writers, I feel like writers have the imposter syndrome of every single step of the process, whether you're like me and have yet to finish a first draft, or rather it's you, Allie, who is getting ready to query their manuscript. Like, how yeah, are you dealing like, with the fact well, that you have imposter syndrome just in general as a oh. Gen Z? And then <laughs> in general with like publishing and writing and all of that. I feel like it's, you add in like academic imposter syndrome, which I am feeling so much right now. Plus um, querying imposter syndrome, it's just back and forth. So like, I feel good about one of the things, but then it's like, oh, but there's this thing as well. So never not feeling imposter syndrome. It's now just a part of me that you know I'm what? trying to ignore. I feel like there's imposter syndrome about everything in life is what I'm realizing now. And then, like you said, it's literally like, oh, you feel good about school. Oh, wait. But then you have to research this agent and you're trying to find information and you can't. So you're like, why? Yeah. Or, you oh, know, yeah. you found your potentially dream agent. I don't know if you've <laughs> found them yet, but then you get, you do poorly in school because you studied mm -hmm. for a test, but you were so busy researching that week that you were like, uh-oh, <laughs> oops. <laughs> yep. That's very specifically true. Um, but no, I was just guessing. When... I didn't know that was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this happened. <laughs> yeah. But no, when you mentioned like the lack of information, and this isn't on like agents' fault at all, it's more so just the way Chrome prioritizes certain websites and just also, I don't know, again, it's not talked about how to navigate all this, but um, there's only, you have the agent's website and you have the agency's website, and then you just have the, some of them do the manuscript wish list or publishing marketplace. They either put it there or there, but it's just sometimes they don't or sometimes you don't have access to it. So it's just searching or looking at clients to be like, okay, they represent these people. Maybe they could represent me. But... It's like looking for a needle <laughs> in a haystack, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I found like the specific manuscript wish list of this one agent and like the first thing was like set in a like academy setting, like boarding school. And it was just like, yes, that's perfect. That's amazing. And then the more I scrolled, it was just like, yes, this is amazing. Um, so I don't know. It's amazing when agents do that. And then other times you just kind of have to work it out yourself yeah it's just as I'm getting more and more into the industry because like you said I first joined Twitter late or quote unquote late compared to all of the other people I joined January 2022 but I wasn't actually active until January of this year just because with school and with just a lot of other stuff was going on that being active on social media as a writer just was not on the forethought in my mind. It was more of like, okay, this is a thing. And then in January, I was like, I should actually start, you know, 
if I want to yeah. get this manuscript off the ground, which by the way, I'm halfway done right now. Yeah. I know you, so, you literally, we, if for people who do not know, Ellie was literally the first person in the entire world to know because <laughs> the fact that the slow realization of me being like, I'm halfway done versus Allie just sitting there calmly in Australia, <laughs> just going like, yes, this is amazing. Yeah. This is great. It's so good. And yeah. now I'm like, this is actually good that we're talking about querying because I like to plan ahead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the fact that it's like, in what I'm realizing through you and your querying experience is that research, you research everything you have to, yeah. if, even if you don't know the, even if you do know the industry, like what if you're writing in a new genre, like agents, yeah. I don't know if people outside of the writing industry know agents cater to specific things that they want to represent and maybe it's what they're good at representing or maybe it's what they like to read themselves and And they don't they have specific like don't query me if you have this and some of them are like so I would think it would be common sense for some of them but let's be honest we see what's being written so it it does we can get into that at a later date (laughs) but honestly it's interesting the way that some people are like I'm gonna go the indie publishing route or I'm starting my query process or I am you know finishing draft one or two or three or however many drafts you go yeah what is this draft number that you are starting to prepare um or query it's technically draft three because i'm revising it and then i will be sending it to beta readers which for people who don't know is basically just reading through and pointing out stuff that i might have missed as the writer just because i'd be done with it or something um and then after that another um revision and and hopefully i'll send it off then honestly writing process you never know Every individual is different. And again, Gen Z, I feel like as people, we just don't talk about things because we're like, people don't like reading. Like, how am I supposed to talk about reading when, you know, so many people just are like on their phones or on Snapchat or Instagram or whatever. And I'm like, well, their only idea of reading is like Colleen Hoover or Sarah J. Mass. Like, that's the only thing they know. Right. And, and like, like, those, oh. I respect those authors as people. But yeah. for me, their writing style just does not work for me. Yeah. The writing style is kind of, I don't know, it might suit pe- other people, but then those people don't ever branch out to others. And it's just like, how are you going to? understand what I'm doing in writing right (laughs) I'm not writing anything like those two so right if you are you know if you have say an agent who does I I know this is not possible but it very 
possibly could, where they are like, I would like to get manuscripts from people who write in Colleen Hoover's kind of stylistic choices and the choices that she makes or like Sarah J. Masses, because like, I just want to see more authors like that come out. Yeah. And so I guess you really have to read the fine print when looking at agents to see, like, is this the right fit? Does the Cinderella shoe fit in a way? Yeah. Yeah, that reminds me. The fine print is also known as comp titles, and I'm just searching for them right now because they help so much with the query. And it also, like, most of the time they're required because it shows that you know the genre that you're pitching. You know, like material or media that was either inspiration for you or you saw like develop in yours and so far I haven't found many book comp titles only really movies which is like Black Widow for the obvious reason and then 10 Things I Hate About You for like the main couple's romance but that was only because yeah that was only because I watched it like 10 times when I was like first drafting this and it's just stayed so yeah I was actually talking about media comps in the other episode of my podcast that I recorded and people do not understand kind of how important they are not only in querying but just in like telling other people about what your book is inspired by and stuff like that yeah I think it also gives yourself like an understanding of your own work because like you might have this idea but you also want to draw inspiration from stuff so you can like kind of have a foundation to build off of it's not like taking the idea from that person but it's just implementing something similar but not because you're stealing it just because it's like this is how I picture it to be and it's coincidentally same as that yeah it just so happens that I have two comp titles book comp titles for mine and I haven't even finished the first draft I revealed them in the first episode (laughs) of the podcast but it's just the fact that the way that I draft is so vastly different than other people because not many people do it the way I do whereas I have an idea I open up a google doc I word vomit on the page and maybe plot comes out maybe plot doesn't for this (laughs) whip or for those of you who do not know WIP stands for work in progress I know authors are so yeah so good at coming up with acronyms we're so creative (laughs) yes right Um, Honestly, it took me a while to catch on to everything on Twitter with all the acronyms. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, you have like a pantser, which is like not outlining or anything kind of writing style. And then I found out that never works for me and I don't get far at all. And then yeah, I you and I are complete opposites. So much. Yeah, without an outline. And like my outline is on a Google Doc and then the mystery plot is on post-it notes on a little cork board as well it's just I need to outline otherwise it never gets finished yeah no I and then there's me where I know we talked about this previously (laughs) 
I can't outline. I don't know if it's the ADHD in me, but like I specifically tried to outline this back in 2019 when I first got the idea for my novel. I guess, yeah, I can call it a novel because it's almost 70,000 words, but you know, that's <laughs> Yeah, fine. when you said that, I was like, oh my god, that just called me an underwriter in 70 languages. I have always been an overwriter in terms of just anything, and especially with first drafts. Everybody is an overwriter in their first draft because they just want to get stuff on the page. My last one was uh, Assassin Whip was like 50k first draft. So, yeah, I'm an I'm already over by, like, about 10k. <laughs> yeah. But, and I'm basically halfway done, so I don't know what this says about me and my writing. I'm going to have yeah, to cut gonna a lot. you're going to have so much fun. You're going to have so much fun with that. Thank you for that. I, I love <laughs> the fact that I'm going to have to cut so many details and maybe potentially split this book into two. I really don't want to, but I might yeah, have to. Yeah, you need to come up with even more plot when you end up having to split it into two as well. Yeah. And then people don't realize like how much research actually goes into like drafting. And then every step of the process is basically research because I'm learning this. Like you have to read your genre. Mm, and re yeah. like you said, you have to have book comp titles preferably that are out within the last like five eight years ten years max yeah and I'm over that was here. when like no go ahead that was when the big YA specifically was like the big renaissance of it really so mm -hmm. it always needs to be ten years yeah, and then there's me where I'm like, I have Hunger Games and then <laughs> see how they run by Ali Carter, which is a bit more recent. I was in a I... big YA dystopia phase, but not <laughs> when I was first drafting this in 2019. This literally stemmed from, how would you go evading a military draft? And then it just <laughs> went from there. And now in 2023, it's become this kind of, as most first drafts do when you want to traditionally publish, it's just become something so much bigger than it is, mm. at least for me. Yeah. When I was rewriting for the second draft, because I completely changed the antagonist and all that, um, I ended up, it wasn't a different ending per se, but I changed exactly how a certain part of it happened and it was just like realizing because I thought this book wouldn't have anything that personal to me like it wouldn't call me out at all but writing the scene it was just like oh my god this is like I think I have like a thread on Twitter about this because it was like oh my god this is how I not as violent really, but this is how I wish I could have responded to so many things. Not as violently, but, like, just the emotion of it. And it was like, okay, so I guess this is less of a fun book than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, my book started out light, fluffy, and airy, and now it's kind of not. <laughs> yeah, it's really I, feel not. Like I feel like that's how everyone's ends up. <laughs> At but, least um, in terms of, like, murder mystery and dystopia. 
those are fun yeah. to write until you realize, at least in terms of you and me, this got personal real quick. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, there's a lot of emotion going on here. What is going on? But no, when you said researching, that's why I would never be able to write sci-fi because I just feel like I would drown in like rabbit holes on Reddit or something. Because with the murder mystery and like the way I set it up, this is going to sound very questionable, but most of the knowledge was already, I already knew it. Like, you know what? Writers, (laughs) fellow writers, and those who do not know writers personally, let me (laughs) make one thing explicitly very clear to the FBI agents in the United States. (laughs) who might be watching me right now through my camera screen. I am calling you out. Everybody knows this. Hello, good morning, how are you? (laughs) I am a writer, and I am writing YA Dystopia. The thing is, though, YA Dystopia and murder mysteries kind of have the same vibe to me. Like, they're vastly different genres, but the way that you kind of research it, you kind of take an idea of like what if and that's the whole reason why I didn't want to do sci-fi as well because like I love sci-fi I'm an absolute nut for I don't read sci-fi I don't I don't know why I just never unless it's a subplot I never have besides your book like I just never have and in my book it happens to be a subplot ha 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 unironically it's just a subplot in there as well as mystery actually I'm leaving mystery in there now and I don't know how far you've gotten in my manuscript not far at all (laughs) I know we had a conversation about it speaking of which you mentioned your antagonist earlier and you mentioned names based off of one conversation we had (laughs) that you were specifically preparing for this podcast so oh, now yeah. I need you to talk about it. Please, I'm so curious. <laughs> well, I the thing is, I so freely talk about it because the antagonist has changed. Like, I can talk about it however much I want. It's still a character in the book, but no longer the antagonist. Um, I, like, I, name generators are my best friend, right? Like, I'm using them right now for my new project. They are my best friend. Um, and I just was looking for name generators and I had every first name generated and then I was like you know what I should probably do last names as well and so in the first draft well for the first half of the first draft the murderer's name was Antoine Thomas and like one of these people following me now were actually okay now I'm really sorry to the person but um I didn't realize at first and I just texted my best friend I was like hey this is the person's name and she was just like, take a second and look at that name again and think about primary school for like a quick second. So the names were two people that I ended up having a whole mess surrounded with. Um, oh, that's never fun. Yeah, but I've reconciled with one of them. <laughs> it's all good now. But it was Reconciliation like, is always good. Yeah, it was just like, oh my god, how did I not realize? Like, how did I look at the 10 names that came up from the generator? I, like, subconsciously chose this one name 
because also we weren't reconciled at this time so I don't know if it was actually subconsciously this but pick that name and then the last name I also picked I don't know how that happened but it's no longer the antagonist the antagonist's name is actually now the same as a friend's so purely coincidental I didn't know the person when I was writing this it's all coincidence but the fact that I can literally see you because people writers do this when they're picking antagonists they're like what names fit but also (laughs) like for me I got bullied a lot growing up and so I'm over here going how can I reconcile and process the bullying make an antagonist (laughs) but not based it was based off of this like whole general idea of Mm -hmm. you know manipulation and you know being too naive to see it and that's kind of a big part of what part three and four the second half of my novel are going to be I can't wait to read it that's like the whole personal thing that I was talking about and when I realized when I picked the antagonist name I'm like like you I was like wait a minute (laughs) wait 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 wait." and then I got the idea of like oh oh this could work the only times yeah it's so satisfying like I felt really guilty about this one because it was like come on it's primary school sure it left me with a few issues but primary school um but the only two times I've purposely named it after someone was both had to do with like last I think it happened last year but um one of my teachers really annoyed me and there was this one scene in the book where I planned to have like my main character poison their victim um but this person had annoyed me so much I was like you know what she's gonna stab him and so I just did that. I don't actually have the reason she decides to stab him instead of poison him. But I wanted her to, so... <laughs> you know, writers everywhere, I'm kind of calling you out specifically. <laughs> because, like, we do this as yeah. authors and as writers. And yeah. then we have to go and prepare a manuscript for querying. And then as you're probably realizing, you have to change probably a lot in order to fit a specific like agent's niche. How hard has that been for you knowing that you're researching and knowing that you're going to have to change potentially a lot in order to kind of fit um, into an agent's box? So to speak? Yeah. Um, I think I, I was so confused on what R and R's mean meant on Twitter for like the longest time. I still and don't I know what this, that is. Please explain. Uh, yes, I'm getting to that. But I saw this thread that finally had the two words, and turns out it's revise and resubmit, which is basically when an author's like, um, if you change this, you can resend it to me, and I might reconsider. But um, I am terrified of those. Because it's also your decision to decide, is this changing the story too much that I wanted to portray? And, like, how much, like, how well do I think I suit this agent in order to put this energy in? 
but really at the stage I'm at it's just finding agents that might like it instead of deciding how I'd change it for the agents because murder mysteries and also what's helped is like the increase in like dark academia and such like those two things have really helped with like finding agents because everyone's like oh my god this is amazing but yeah (laughs) revise and resubmits are terrifying me why didn't now I'm realizing like why didn't I immediately think of that but there are so many writer acronyms that I guess I just it never you're desensitized it doesn't yeah I just see an acronym and I'm like I accept that I don't know what it means I will find out eventually yeah and like do I have the energy right now I know it's that topic but I don't Mm. (laughs) yeah exactly and going back to like fitting into a box I'm realizing that because I want to traditionally publish that I will have to find an agent eventually. And I'm just looking at like my baby, essentially this manuscript that I've been working on for a year. And it's like, I like, I love this so much, but also at the same time, I know that a lot of authors will look at this and be like, it's so unique. Like the beta readers that I'm gonna have eventually there. And even you. And one of my very close friends, like, you haven't gotten very far, but you're like, I love this. This is great. Yeah. And I'm like, I "I really don't want to change the essence just to potentially revise and submit R&R, as they will, to (laughs) an agent. Because the essence of who I am is, and I've talked about this in my therapy sessions, because I was like, you know what? I've got to process some stuff and the book just (laughs) happened to come up and my therapist was like how like how personal is this book and when your therapist asks you how personal this book is (laughs) that's when you realize you're like oh yeah oops (laughs) at first like before I realized how personal this book is at first, my plan was to just have this one project where I just trauma dumped everything. It was going to be like the most toxic adult fantasy book there is. But um, turns out that's evolved into me having like trauma response in this book. Um, I have another project that's exploring grief. It's just all over the place now. But it's still all of them are like, they're mine. And it's very personal like it's a personal thing to like send out your manuscript Mm -hmm. to people who are looking at it through a professional lens and so this is why I've told you my plan where it's like querying for year 11 if I don't get a query I take a break for year 12 hopefully might not but that the reason I'm doing that is because like the HSC which is basically whatever your high school certificate test is Mm-hmm. is going to take so much of me that I cannot have another part of me doing querying according to my friends in my mind I can do both and it will just keep my mind occupied yeah no as Not soon as you mentioned like a certificate test like in the yes. United States we don't have a certificate test we have the ACT and the SAT but that does not 
in any way, shape or form affect the fact that you get a certificate or, you know, a diploma for graduation. That's just specifically, you know, if you want to go to college, this is something you might want to take. And in my humble opinion, sorry, those tests, we have don't do anything they don't show anything they're just like you because you can have a bad test day and then absolutely bomb it and then you can have a good test day the next time you take it and do well like I'm a horrible test taker and so (laughs) me thinking about querying is like one of those like certificate tests now I'm freaking out because I'm like it's basically like a certificate test you're graduating into this new era of your writing journey which just happens to be looking for an agent which is scary in itself it's um yeah uh we have many tests to do with like high school qualifications and all that like I just did one that because in Australia we can drop out after year 10 Hmm. like you can't drop out before then it's only then um and so I just finished the test that would allow that but my plans to go to year 12, so I just had to get that done with in order to do year 11. So we have a whole testing process, and I know it's going to maybe potentially drain me, but who knows, I might continue querying. I have no self-preservation at all. I feel like that's a common theme with Gen Z, (laughs) because one of my very, very close friends actually most of my very close friends, including my writer friends, we just go. There's no self-preservation in mind. There's no, oh, I need to take care of myself mentally, emotionally, and physically. Yes, we all take care of ourselves. Like we eat, we drink water, we shower, we, you know, personal hygiene and everything. So physicality is fine. It's the emotional and the mental stuff where it's like, can I actually do this? And now I'm wondering, as you've been saying, like, this is a query process. This is like how I'm doing it. This is kind (laughs) of how it works and how I understand it. I'm over here going, this sounds like applying to college. Yeah, at least American college, your system's so confusing. But um, try living it. Yeah, no, I think it's not, like, we all know it's not healthy. Are we going to listen? Probably not. But I think with this lack of self-preservation, we just keep hitting burnouts, which then, like, impacts our continuation of, like, this passion we have for writing and all that. Because I was meant to finish reading through my manuscript, like, three months ago, but I hit, like, a major burnout episode and just didn't I did write like I did continue writing but it you could just tell I didn't have as much passion for the project I was working on or I needed a cause to do it like the only thing I actually finished was a short story for a competition um and that was like the incentive I just needed an incentive that wasn't figurative if that makes sense yeah I get that I get that. Yeah. Though, like, I think writers, we have the least amount of self-preservation. Because... Yeah, no matter what age you are, rather, if you're, like, 
17, 18, 19, 20, or if you're like, you know, 50, 60, 30, 40, whatever age you happen to be as you're sitting down to write. Writers, please take this conversation that Ali and I are having right now as a reminder. Take care of yourself, <laughs> please. <laughs> it's very important that you take care of yourself mentally, physically, and emotionally, because without those three, like Ali said, burnout is real and it happens. And there are so many things we can do to prevent it, but also not because it's burnout and burnout yeah. is not scheduled. It just happens. <laughs> so just please take care of yourself. Yeah. Just working out because you need the mental and the emotional and all that in order to write something because you need to, you're constantly using them when you're writing scenes, sometimes more than other times but it's always constantly mentally. And if you don't have the energy for that, then you're not doing what you love, which is often how you get out of a burnout. So you're kind of at a standstill. Yeah, you're kind of at this stalemate, especially when you're at a crossroads in your journey like you are, where you're like, <laughs> I, I'm giving myself this deadline, but you're probably also very aware that burnout is real and it happens and you're just I guess the anxiety of waiting for that to happen but also not at this hoping that it happens just hoping that you can just get this done yeah it's just it when you do decide to like make this a form of income like it's not always someone's full-time job which is like having this and that's like a whole other story but when you decide to make it something that you're working towards more than a hobby, it's just like, it feels every time you're not doing something is like a waste, but it's not, it's just, you need a break and like, you can always pick it up again. Mm -hmm. Breaks. I cannot stress no matter what profession you are in. And especially if you're a student, I know like, no, if you're a high school, college student, even potentially like a middle schooler who is listening to this, I don't know if any middle schoolers will, but let me just tell you that you need to, no matter, yeah, again, no matter what profession you're in, no matter if you're like a full-time student, like Ali and I are, you need to take care of yourself because then you might not have the energy, like Ali said, to query, because it's all mental and emotional. Sure, you're physically there, but your brain is working. And if your brain does not work, then burnout happens extraordinarily quickly. And you might not meet the deadlines that you set personally for yourself. And that just is a whole other can of worms I can open. Like, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was watching a Chloe Gong event that I somehow missed out on and she said something about like the whole process and it was just having the mindset that the book is for you and it is and you know readers are going to like it. It's just there are people that will be like, no, not for me, but they're not for me is like another person's whole world. It like changed their perspective on something or it helped them as a form of escapism. So having the mindset of like, it's not for everyone, it might not help, but I feel like I can see it helping me more so 
not dwell on like rejections or like dry spells in querying. You just need one agent to say yes. Yeah. You just need one agent that you believe is suited for you. And also there's the matter of like considering like if they're suited for more projects of yours. Cause for example, all of my books have mystery, but they're all set across different settings or different stakes. So it's always also considering are they good for potentially new projects? Yeah, I am also, I feel like a lot of people who write now and are drafting, they have this specific topic that they have. And they're like, this is what I write, but the genre can change at the drop of a hat. Like I'm writing a YA dystopia, but I'm also writing a mystery, like a horror mystery. It's not exactly like a murder mystery like yours, but it's more of like, I guess, no, I guess paranormal mystery. Yeah, it's a paranormal mystery, which just happens to have some murder in it just because that's how the plot is going. And then I have a whole plethora of shelved items just because <laughs> shelved. And for those of what? you who do not know, sorry, I'm just going to explain this real quick. Yes, yes shelving a project a work in progress a whip as you will is essentially like shelving a book or shoving a textbook <laughs> into your closet after a year of school and just forgetting about it and potentially picking it up later That's yeah basically you're just done with it. it at the moment you're just yeah done you're with like it at the moment i cannot do this anymore i need a break I need to make sure burnout does not happen so that I can go back to this manuscript and I'm rejuvenated and I'm well and I can potentially finish this draft because I have never finished a first draft. <laughs> nope. This, before Assassin Whip, I just, it was all over the place. I never finished anything. And then I tested to see, you know what, maybe I've got resilience again. Maybe I don't need to outline this one thing because I wanted to impulsively join Camp Nano, which is basically, for people who don't know, a smaller version of NaNoWriMo, which is when you write 50,000 in a month. I decided, you know what, I'll impulsively do it. I could not at all. But I've also discovered I can't actually write contemporary romance without any mystery. Like, I just can't. I can't see any stakes that I could outline ever. Yeah, I definitely feel like subgenres are the same no matter if the genre changes. Like, I'm sure I will always have this element of, like, I want to say, like, Westing Game, if you've read that, Ali, where, like, Probably not. You, <laughs> that's fine. It's this mystery where, how do I explain it without giving away the whole thing? But, <laughs> I think I can find a way just off the top of my head. Let's see if I can actually do this. It's essentially this guy dies and he sends his relatives out on the scavenger hunt to figure out like, I guess Ready Player One, kind of. If you've read that, it's sci-fi. So maybe you haven't, but maybe you've heard of it or seen the movie. 
I've I know the author. I've read her fantasy book. I have not okay. read the sci-fi. That is totally okay. I love how I'm just name dropping and I'm like, wait, you might not have read yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. When Me who it's... like said earlier, I don't read sci-fi. Right, exactly. And then I'm just name dropping sci-fi books. <laughs> but it's just the fact that he has his relatives literally crawling all over the place trying to figure out like who he left his money to and that's kind of what I feel like I'm doing in all of my novels even my shelved ones when I was younger and I'm like I can actually work with this I can be like mystery breadcrumbs and it's gonna be so fun yeah when you find a niche it's so comfortable to like just be like yes this is exactly what I want to write and what I know I can write um but also there's things where it's like like I used to say I will never write a second chance romance because I just didn't like them right and then I was listening to Tis the Damn Season once and this idea just occurred and it was just like damn it because I didn't think I'd ever write a second chance romance I've never liked reading them but just the idea I came up with was too good. At least to me. That sounds really presumptuous. But um, at least to me, it was just like, God, I have to write this. Lucky me. And is that Assassin Whip? Um, or is no, that a different that, project? Yeah, that's a different one that I've actually... I've stopped for a slight second. But Assassin, the main romance I've always said was like once I found out I could say this um was basically mm. one of them being a reluctant simp to a full-blown simp okay like, that's just how I all that's just how I always explain it to anyone mm-hmm. just, the fact yeah. that I'm like I'm intrigued now because <laughs> you've given me just enough where I'm like I want to read this. Like, <laughs> I'm genuinely curious mm. about what your idea is. And I love how through this podcast, I'm potentially like you have the alpha draft where I'm yeah. literally like updating as I go. And so, like I told you uh, earlier, I word vomit. I say there's plot, there's not plot in this draft actually doesn't happen until unlucky 13 so I guess like Taylor Swift 13 is my lucky (laughs) number for this draft because you can see it in the alpha alpha draft that I have yeah it's just the realization of me going this is the plot oh my goodness (laughs) Because when you are an extreme pantser like me, who just goes in and impulsively writes, so NaNoWriMo National Novel Writing Month, for those of you who don't know, surprise, another acronym, writers love acronyms. (laughs) It's just a way for me to start ideas and a way for me to generate. And for those of you who are plotters, which is what Allie is, an outliner, has to do have an outline or she's never going to finish anything (laughs) there are two very different spectrums 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like both of us are just on opposite ends because you can't write without an outline and I can't write with one. <laughs> yeah, I found even the short story I wrote, I needed like dot points of like, okay, this, then this, then this. And it was like, it's one scene, basically. It's just got a lot of like emotional description. Mm-hmm. But it was like, okay, this, then this, then this. And it still ends up changing. Like I just have the outline as a guide. It still ends up changing. Like I changed who the murderer was in Assassin with. But um it's just without an outline, I am hopeless because I I always find with the writer's book, if I have an outline ready, I can just keep going. So when I'm actually outlining, writer's block is indestructible. But when I'm drafting it afterwards, it's okay, I do this next. Yeah, no, and then there's me where when I get writer's block, I just don't write because I don't have an outline and I'm just going there and I'm opening this document that is now almost 70,000 words, which is amazing for me because I never thought like with my ADHD that I would actually have an idea where I would spend this much time on it because I know like ADHD authors, you and I are very familiar with the idea of bouncing from work in progress to work in progress and not sticking with it. And when something sticks, it's the best feeling in the entire world. Cause you're like, you, I might actually be able to take this to potentially query it for traditional publishing. But why? Yeah. Why need an agent <laughs> for traditionally published? Why query? Just out of curiosity. Okay. Um, I think it's more so when you look at indie publishing and traditionally publishing is where like the difference comes in. Because indie publishing, you send your query letter to the independent publishing um name, basically. And you're doing all of this process and you might be having to put money into finding an editor, getting other stuff done. It's the same with self-publishing. You have, and a lot of people do this because they have more control over it. But for me, I would hate that control. Like sometimes I need control, but for this, it's just like, I wouldn't know what to do anyway. I need someone to do this for me who has more knowledge and knows exactly what needs to be done and has the skills and connections to get that done. So in order for traditional publishing and like the success of it, an agent really helps because it's also like this person that's just guiding you and just teaching you and helping you about the industry. Because really, even as a writer, you don't know much about the industry until you're in it. And even if you've been in it for some time, like you and I have been, we don't know everything. We're learning new stuff every day, every hour, just because Twitter is a place where people just post things. And then you're like, oh, I didn't realize this about the industry, or I didn't realize that about the industry. And it's just so eye-opening Yeah, for me I don't to think kind of I'll... realize. Yeah. What? I don't think I'll understand. No, I don't think I'll understand how exactly like 
certain things work until they happen to me like payments after some a uh, house buys your book I don't understand that that came up on Twitter once Lee Bardugo got that big 12 uh. nine figure deal that came up but I still just could not comprehend it at all so I don't think you'll ever know until you experience it and even then it's like experiences are so different in this industry each individual person I know I keep saying this in this <laughs> episode but it's 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 the truth every single person is different no matter who you are because every individual person deserves a story and to share theirs if they're comfortable with it and that's kind of why I started this podcast I know I have a whole introduction episode <laughs> but I'm kind of sprinkling in why and it's just Gen Z doesn't share a lot on social media <laughs> like our generation yeah. shares a lot but also doesn't share a lot and I think that just happens because we're so used to being overshadowed by the adults and for those who are 18 and older the adults here adults <laughs> of, of the world who have more life experience I've learned though that Gen Z we're the next generation of people who are growing up and who are actually like adults like I'm 20 so I'm basically an adult and that's scary in itself but we kind of yeah. deserve to talk about this and to be transparent because that's what our generation is. It's just very transparent, very chaotic, very professionally chaotic, as I put it. And I think <laughs> that's what this has been, essentially. It's just professionally chaotic conversations that just happen to be about writing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also what comes from this, like, and like what developed like the ambiguousness of writing in our generation is also there was, there's so many adults that still have the understanding, oh, it's not a full-time job. And for some people it's not like for me, I know it probably won't be for a while if I do publish just because of how school loans and like how money is just going to work when I finish high school, basically. So I know that and also I want I have a career path that I want to explore besides publishing so I know I won't be a full-time author but the people the adults and like they're more older older adults that put emphasis on this sort of misled idea that it can't be a full-time job leads to writers who might not even be wanting to have a full-time job just still keep holding themselves back when it comes to like sharing their work or being excited even just about their work because that's a response they might get from people that are older than them yeah I know that I also have a chosen career path I also know that if I publish there's again us with the if but this is the writing is such an if industry it really is. And people are just now, I'm now realizing that it really is, like you said earlier, luck of the draw and if. And yeah. it's just odd that, I mean, it's nice that 
I've started this podcast and I'm like, look, Gen Z is so used to being transparent, but there's a worry about like, what are the adults going to say? What are the older adults going to say that I'm over here going, you know what? I want this podcast to be a place where Gen Z can just say whatever they want, of course, within reason, but just say what they want and show who they truly are because like you don't really get that from a Twitter feed or a Twitter page or even a tweet. You get that from interactions like what you and I are having right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's not, like it's more so just older adult people have opinions when it comes to social media, mainly because they didn't grow up with it. They didn't, like they had to learn how to work it and how to maintain privacy still when they were already graduated high school basically whereas for me like in your introduction which I've already listened to you still had like less awareness of what a phone was because you're in the 20s version of Gen Z whereas for me I don't necessarily remember phones but I remember iPads and stuff involving that and I remember sitting in front of my dad's computer taking funny photos on photo booth so I just remember that stuff and I've grown up with that stuff and with the amount of in-school speeches about protection online it's just ingrained in us to be like okay this is how it works this is what our society is now let's just make the best of it somehow it's it's so interesting for me to be able to realize like there are people like me early 2000s kids who know what a VHS tape is and then there are people in the early 2000s where their parents got rid of VHS tapes like just because VHS wasn't a thing or they couldn't find it so they just sold it at you know a garage sale or you know gave it to a secondhand shop or something like that. And so I just really want this to be a place where I guess the two halves of Gen Z can meet (laughs) and we can have a conversation about what it means to really be Gen Z because I don't, between you and me and the people watching this or not watching this, listening to this, Gen Z has no idea what we're doing. (laughs) Nope, not at all. We're coasting on vibes and potentially caffeine that's that's essentially it vibes and caffeine (laughs) and so the fact that you are braving the query trenches (laughs) or will be soon yeah (laughs) it's just mind-boggling to think that our generation is getting into this industry knowing that it's not going to be a full-time job I mean we all can't be Rick Riordan yeah it's also just with how costs of stuff is working out as well right now just like "Mm, might not like I'm surprised Collie Gong's like full-time author and it's just amazing but like I know I won't be able to do that at the age she is even though I'm querying next year but it's just like 
wow she's doing that and she's living in New York as well it's like wow yeah no it's so interesting to think about every single step and as somebody with anxiety and as somebody who likes to overthink thinking about querying kind of makes me weird in a way where I'm like I know this thing is coming and it's like half impending doom half excitement because it's like this is a step that every author aspiring author or even if you've published something author like is excited for but also knows that this could be (laughs) years and years and years of just asking and basically being like here is my soul bared out in like a one-page document please give me a chance (laughs) (laughs) and also with like I feel like our generation also doesn't ask for help when it comes to like (laughs) academic stuff and also since writing it's not academic but for me it can extend onto that because you're writing you've learned this in school basically Mm -hmm. and it's just the asking for help or even just telling my parents what's going on or just letting people read it it's just there it's like giving up it's giving up your pet you know to somebody (laughs) who is pet sitting for you and you're going on vacation like you don't want to do it you want (laughs) somebody trusted to look after your pet you're like please I trust this is my baby and I know I'm comparing pets to manuscripts and for those of you (laughs) who are not in this industry like that's a weird thing but that's kind of how I can put it in terms of like the general public can understand what yeah. it's like to have a manuscript and to potentially get it ready for beta readers and querying. And it's just, it's like your baby, but more like your pet because you can, <laughs> you can say goodbye to it at some point. Like we all know pets have a shorter lifespan than we do. So we say goodbye. It's kind of like that. Whereas a human baby, yeah, you still, (laughs) you still have like a human baby. Most people, I know there are people out there who don't spend, you know, 18 to however many years. You're basically there for years. Whereas with a pet, I'm going on a tangent, but that's okay. (laughs) I think you understand. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's exactly what it is, whether it's a pet or, like, baby, that's just, you're trusting it with other people, and that's just a big deal. Like, when I first, the first night, I just went into the rabbit hole of agent research and just going at it was so many emotions, because it was, like, I'd feel excitement, and I'd be like, oh, I know some of their clients, like, I, I know these people, they, I, they're amazing people. And then it's also looking at, I'm going to have to pitch my book. I'm going to have to know how to pitch my book. And like, you get practice with events like Pit Light, where we just, for funsies, um, up post stuff on Twitter about our books. So you get practice, but mm-hmm. it's still just very daunting to write 350 yeah. words about yourself and your book. Right. Yeah. And 
it's just the fact that, yeah, I know we've talked for a long time. And if you are still listening, <laughs> thank you for listening to Allie and I ramble about pretty much everything under the sun at this point. Yeah. Anything to do with writing. Anything to do with writing. But the main topic of this podcast is querying and hopefully you've gotten some knowledge of yeah. querying and honestly yeah it might be time to wrap this up so yes, I'm just I going like... to just because like I feel like we could make this five hours but you know yeah. let's let's mercy the people a little bit and mm. wrap this up Cassie so wants I... to go back to sleep ah, that too <laughs> that too <laughs> And so at the end of every podcast episode, I have a question that you and I both answer. And one of the questions is, what is your, who are are your writing inspirations? Just who? (laughs) I feel like I've talked about her a lot already, but um, Polygon is definitely one, just because flip the switch, I can do this as a younger writer. Um, But other than that, I'm just looking at my bookshelf. Um, no, you're so Holly good. Jackson. Holly Jackson, probably, because, like, just mystery, and I just, the way she writes it, she was the first mystery author to just completely stump me, because I normally guess who the killer is or guess the plot, but she just completely stumped me. I was just in awe. So those two writers are the main ones. And then there's me. I have a lot of I don't really have writers in my genre that inspire me I have a best friend that I have been friends with since I was like 13 years old and I've shown them every single manuscript I've written since the age of 13 And they have just continuously told me every single time, I'm like, here's a new project. Here's a new project. (laughs) You have Rick Riordan's just wit (laughs) in your writing. That's the top compliment ever. And I'm like, having grown up on Riordanverse and Percy Jackson, like you said, it's the highest compliment (laughs) in the world to have an author you admire I just you're kind of putting that but spinning mm-hmm. it and making it your own style yeah I think like when people say no works are original which that's very true it's also because our ideas and our writing styles stem from what we read so it's like if people notice that it's amazing mm-hmm. exactly well again thank you yeah. for listening <laughs> And yeah, yeah. just thank you for giving us a second (laughs) shot. See you later.